Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glixman with my tag team partner, Matt Story. And we're going to celebrate episode 300 the way we've celebrated pretty much every episode. And that's by talking ASU football. Talking a little ASU. <laughs> that's right. I think uh, out of these 300, probably at least 250 have featured some ASU talk. Maybe more than that. So why not? One was about uh, Beverly Hills Cop. Right, right. One, one was about Saturday Night Live <laughs> cast. I mean, we, we've done a few that didn't feature ASU, but I'd venture at least... It's a strong majority. At least 80%, probably more, have, have been ASU. So, uh, step one on the big news uh, for ASU, spring football has opened, and with it, Doug Howler of The Athletic wrote his 30 things, 30 observations, yeah. questions, open issues. Um. The hype train is real for this team, isn't it? As we uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. And I and and I mean, you know, we've talked about it some already, and and we'll talk about it a lot more in the next, uh, well, a little less than six months before the opener. Um, but uh, you know, I I think deservedly so. Um, I mean, I, you know, I, I guess time will tell if it's deserved. I should be careful how I word that, but I, I think appropriately so. Let's say that. I mean, you know. It just, it feels like a year that it, things are lined up well. Um, now I did read, uh, I read, you know, Stuart Mandel does a mailbag every week and he was talking, one of the questions was about, you know, all the teams that are returning a lot of production and, and, you know, and, and we're not alone in having a lot back. I mean, uh, you know, we're not unique. A lot of teams have a lot back. So it's, it's not like a huge advantage for us, but still, I think, you know, we, we had a good roster last year. We didn't get a chance to really see it come to fruition over a full season, but you know we got almost all of it back. So why not? Yeah, yeah. I I don't know about you. My my level of excitement about this defense is pointed upwards. The arrow sure. is is going up for me sure. because sure. I I think about this secondary and if Jack Jones comes back and and plays. Mm-hmm great but if he doesn't we you know we brought in i think our top two recruits in the Mm -hmm. 2021 class are corners Mm -hmm. and and we played fairly well without him last year for three games i mean you know like he played well in the opener i you know i feel like jack jones is is kind of a uh you know uh, icing on the cake sort of thing um you know he's he's not even the icing he's the extra little bit of icing that they put around the edges of the cake it's great if it's there, but the cake is still good without it if it's not there. And and so, I mean, if he's there, great, awesome. And if he's not, we should probably count on – we should probably not count on him. Let's say that. His, his history is such that, you know, if he plays, uh, you know, 12, 13, 14, whatever number of games and plays well, awesome. If he doesn't, I think we're okay anyway. I absolutely agree. Um I think one of the one of the more interesting pieces of this is the coaching staff consistency. Yeah, uh, something that I don't think we've really experienced as a no. as a program. You're uh, right. Under her for a while, or or yeah. under Graham for that. Really matter. under Graham, except for maybe the first two to three years, which happened to coincide with Graham's best years. You know, to a thirteen and fourteen were his best years, and and. You know, thinking back, I don't know about every position coach, but the the coordinators, the, the schemes, they were consistent. And, you know, it, it proved itself uh, valuable, obviously, with those two years we had. 
Now, obviously, part of this is, you know, when you have guys who get head coaching jobs, that's one thing. It's another sure. thing when you're just firing guys because there's not a lot of production. Right, I, right. I think that, you know, last year, obviously, Pierce technically was co-defensive coordinator with Lewis. Mm-hmm. It felt like that the whole point of last year was to get us to this year and let, and let Lewis Agreed. step up to a role where either he wasn't going to be with the team or he is, but which is what happened. Uh, he is, but he's not taking an active right, role right. in the coaching, you know, breaking it down every yeah, day with everyone. Yeah. And yet, I still think good to have him. Oh, um, for sure. Be, because it, it's a resource for Pierce. It's a resource for Herm. You know, I mean, we'd heard some mention that he was going to get interviewed for NFL jobs, and I think he did. Mm-hmm. Um, but they didn't They didn't happen. So it's like, you know, hey, you've got that guy there. But yeah, it's... it's uh, you know, Pierce's ascension has been consistent from, you know, coming in as recruiting coordinator to position coach to co-defensive coordinator to now the defensive coordinator. And I think we both presume maybe not long from now the head coach. Yeah, and and, they've, and so, made that, they've made that pretty clear without saying it's funny because it, it feels like the worst kept secret on yeah. campus is that, yeah. you know, Herm is going to be in this job for probably however long he wants it or as long as Ray Anderson is there. Right. But if Antonio Pierce is on the staff when he leaves, then Antonio Pierce will be the head coach. I mean, it sure feels that way. And that's, I think that was what you hoped when we hired Herm. You know, we hired Herm. He was an older coach. He was in his 60s already. And I remember having those conversations when we weren't questioning it, which we were, you know. Um, And I think, you know, fairly, but... Uh, you know, and saying, well, you know, you hope that he can set the table for the next guy. We didn't know who that next guy would be at the time. We thought maybe it was Danny Gonzalez um, or, you know, somebody else off the, you know, and, but it, it appears that it's Antonio Pierce. He's, you know, he's put in the work. He's recruited well. He's got good recruiters around him. Um, you know, the, 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 it'll be interesting to see this year how the defense plays. Um, we know he's a good recruiter. We don't know quite yet how great of, of a you know coordinator he is because last year was so incomplete we had some some good moments on defense and some not good and I know that was one of the things that that Haller mentioned in that column was you know finishing finishing games um you know had a, a 13 point lead against USC uh gave it up had a you know what a five point lead against UCLA and you know both went under five minutes to go and didn't win either game um you know, so that's got to be the, the next step, I think, for the defense is, you know, don't do it in spurts, do it all the time, basically. Well, and, I, you know, this is the high upside comparison for Pierce, but if he can't really ever become the X's and O's guy, which it's far too early to tell, and sure. obviously oh, he, sure. he was a head coach at the high school level and now he's a coordinator, right. but you can win as a program with a rah-rah and recruiter guy at the top. Oh, and, sure. And you yeah. can look no further than Coach O for that. Coach O and, and um, Clemson. Oh, yeah. I mean, Davos, Davo. Davos doesn't have his hand in calling the plays on offense or defense. Uh, you know, he's hired good coaches to do so. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, Saban obviously has a defensive background. He was a defensive coordinator. He, you know, that's his thing. But, yeah, I mean, you look at the other recent national champions and – and they're not necessarily coaches with, with, you know, oh, they were great coordinators. Dabo was never a coordinator. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coach O was never a coordinator, I don't believe. 
uh, other than being the interim at SC. Yeah, 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 but, you know, I mean, like, uh, not an offensive or defensive coordinator, so some of that's overrated, I think, and, you know, we tend to look at, we do it in the NFL, too, like, oh, who are the hot coordinators, it's like, well, I mean, some really good coaches have gone from either very little time or no time as a coordinator, Mike Tomlin, I think, had one year, John Harbaugh had none, he was a special teams coordinator, I mean, uh, you know, those are, those are Super Bowl winning coaches that, you know, weren't offensive or defensive coordinators for much, if any time. So different level, but you know, you see it in college too. And those are two great examples. When you look at the team, you know, we've, we got the schedule. I, there was the story that this was the, uh, the PAC 12 presented three schedules for the schools to vote on. And this was ASU's last choice. And that's yeah. the one that the majority <laughs> voted for. Yeah. Uh, it's a rough schedule, but we're in, as you Point, you know, pointed out, we're in the no excuses year. So, I agree. Yeah. You know, I mean, and, well, and Washington, I, you know. traveling to Washington and Oregon State could have been hard in in many years, but the, the weather's the factor this year. It's not the rest right. of it. Because, no, agree. Agree. I mean, Oregon State has not yet showed that they are, uh, a, you know, a big time team. They've made some progress under Jonathan Smith. You know, they've, they've at least showed a little bit more, more pop and more fight, but they're still struggling. Washington, you know, I mean, it's so hard to get a read on anybody last year. I know Washington technically won the North, but they didn't play a game away from home uh, as their schedule broke out. I mean, I think they went, you know, three and one and never left home. So it's like, I don't know. I mean, they're probably going to be pretty good. They usually are. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, the schedule's not, it's not super it's not easy. Daunting, but, no. no, it's not. It's not. I mean, I, and you I know think, who you we know, don't play Oregon, Oregon. Right. And that's right. what matters, you know. Don't play Oregon. Don't play Cal, who I think is a pretty solid team. And, uh, you know, I mean, they had such a weird year last year with all the, you know, restrictions and stuff. But they've been building something that seems like fairly consistent with Wilcox. So, yeah, I think those are not bad misses. The non-conference, we knew that already. Um, mm-hmm. Not overly brutal. You know, I mean, Southern Utah, FCS opponent, UNLV. Granted, there's some demons with UNLV coming here, I realize, but, you know, not a great team. And then at BYU, but, you know, looking at that, reading that, going back to the same column that Mandel wrote, BYU is like 127th in terms of returning production. So, yeah, they were really good last year, but they're replacing a lot, including their star quarterback. So, I don't I don't think that's particularly brutal. No. And it's a good breaking you in road game. Yeah, you know, yeah. You get, th- this is the way, if you were going to build a schedule to figure out what you have, this is the right way to do it. You get Agreed. Uh, a low-level school, then a home game against a mid-level team, then a road right. game against a mid-level team, Yeah. then a yeah. home game to open the conference season against Colorado. It's Colorado, who is, uh, you know, fine. good, but not They're great. They're a fine team. Yeah. You can't yeah, sleep I mean, on them. No, but, but no. The, you know, but then you're looking at UCLA and then a six day turnaround home to Stanford. That's that to me is the scary part of the schedule, at least on, yeah. on the front end. Yeah. Yeah. And then at Utah after that, which is always a tough place to go. We've had some we've had some nightmare games there of late. Um, I'm thankful but, for the extra day there and the bye sure. after and the bye after. Yeah. I mean, the bye's in a pretty good spot. You know what? Seven seven games down five to go. So, you know, you're not a super early or super late by, um, you know, aside from the, the back to back, you know, Northwest trips in November, 
there's nothing I looked at that schedule and thought, oh boy, that's really brutal. Um, and again, I just, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not saying I expect this team to go 12 and 0, but I, I do expect, I don't know, 10 wins. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I haven't, I mean, it's too early to do game by game and all of that, but, uh, you know, I, I think it's, I think this is a good enough team that regardless of schedule, we should win a lot of games. Yeah. Well, and your buy is right in the middle where you want it after yeah. seven. Yeah. You know, yeah. you get USC after Washington state who could be a dumpster fire this year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, they're, they're okay, but I mean, you get them at home and that feels like it's a game, you know, on paper, at least that you should be the better team. Home coming I mean, off it, a buy. Uh, right. Of all the games on the schedule in conference, that's the one I'm most confident you should win. Right. If everyone's healthy, that's a game you should Yeah, win. yeah, yeah. I mean, so, you know, again, it's it's way too early to do, uh, I think they'll win this, they'll lose that. I mean, you know, you got to see how things shake out, transfers and injuries, and there's a whole lot of variables that can come up before September 2nd. But, um, uh, you know, I I don't. I don't mind the schedule, and I and I don't think there would have been any incarnation of it. I read, so I I didn't honestly know because I didn't know if they would shake things up. Who our misses were, um, and the day the schedule came out, or a couple days before, I think John Wilner did a column ranking the schedules from one to twelve in terms of you know toughest being one, twelve being easiest. He put us twelve, and his argument was you know missing Oregon and pretty easy non conference slate, and and I have to agree, it's not that bad. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, back-to-back trips, but, you know, again, back-to-back trips, you're going to come home in between. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not like, you know, you're stuck on the road and, you know. So, I mean, it's not a back-to-back like basketball or something like that. So, I I think it's I think it's pretty good. I agree. And, you know, when you look at the 2021 class that's now done, you know, the, the three transfers more – the yeah. defensive end from LSU, Conyers, the tight end from Oklahoma, and Miller, who is somewhere between a center and a tackle, which yeah. we can talk yeah. about day we can talk about day one of spring ball and, and you know, our first team all conference guard is now playing number one center. Donovan West, I know, yeah. It reminds me, wasn't there I can't remember what year it was. Um and, and even I'm struggling to remember the name. The center that we had, hopefully you'll remember because I'm drawing a blank. He was a center. We moved him to tackle. Are you talking about Cole Cabral? Cabral, yes. Thank you. Yes, yes. Moved him to tackle. Didn't go well. Moved him back to center uh, mm-hmm. by, I think, you know, game four or five. Um, what year was that? Was that two years ago? Yeah, that was. I'm struggling with the years. Year. I think because last year was so weird. It's like, you know, everything two years ago. Was it three years ago? Was it last? Yeah. Yeah, it was his um, first it, season. They had okay. him, and, and the thought was well, his NFL future's probably on the outside, not at right. center. Which right. is, by the way, the reverse of the rationale for West, where they're saying West. his NFL future is at center, so we're going to try him. center. There. And right, I, right. I, I did enjoy Zach Hill's quote when he got asked, is this uh, an experiment or is this something you're like actually right. looking at? And he's like, yes, <laughs> it's one of those, I, you know. Okay. And, I, and I think that's that's good for the first day of spring. You know, I mean, we don't things don't need to be decided on on March 4th. Um, it, you know, like, it, yeah, that's why you have these practices to figure things out. We didn't you know, we and just about everybody else in the country didn't have that luxury much last year. We got a few. Some teams can get any. So, you know, that's why you have them. And, hey, we'll see. Um, you know, we have an opening at center. Um, 
I don't think he'll be the only guy to get a chance to, to you know, have a run at that job. But we know he's going to be a starter somewhere, whether it's center or guard. Um, you know, we know we've got the two tackles back from last year. Um, we've got, you know, Ben Scott, who is good. We've got Henderson, who was a starter most of his freshman year. Didn't play much last year, but got some time, you know, off the bench. So there, and then you throw in Miller and then you throw in some of the recruits. And I mean, I've read the number. Howler's pointed it out several times, you know, 19 scholarship offensive linemen took a while to get there. We, you know, we had a, a relatively empty cupboard when Herm and this staff got here. And now it seems they've got what they want. Well, the other piece of this that I think is worth mentioning about the line, especially, you know, the stories are all coming out there, but Kellen Deesh is massive. Donovan West is massive. Ladarius Henderson is, uh, you know, I think he's like still only 16 or something from all the, but he's, (laughs) but he's he's, the eternal 17 year old. He's massive. The the transfer from North Carolina is six, six, two, nine. Yeah, you know, yeah. On the, and on the other side of the line, the guy who they recruited, who's getting a lot of early hype, Garen Stansberry, who's still in right. high school setting uh, track and field record, right, uh, right, is six five two fifteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I saw you know Haller. I think one of his first tweets from a couple days ago, the, you know, or maybe it was just yesterday when he when the Herm had his media was you know we're going to be a team that looks good coming off the bus and. That doesn't mean much, but but yet it does. Well, you know, it's I mean, it's one of those things you'd rather be that. You and I have experienced right. this going to the SEC games when we watch yes. the, the home teams walk in. Yes, and you realize, oh, that it's just different. They're just much bigger. They're yeah, just, yeah. Know. I mean, I remember that from a couple of years ago when Oregon played here and we beat Oregon. Uh, you know, but I going you know pregame and I and I was watching their offensive line and they had Penn A Sewell and. You know, it's like, man, this this is just a beastly unit, and and our guys just don't match up. Now we won that game, but it's one of those that, like, you know, if we played them ten times, we probably would have only won once or twice. Yeah. If we get the physical ability, those are games you can win. You know, seven out of ten times. Um, and and you know, Oregon is probably the standard in the conference right now when it comes to talent. Yeah. They've recruited extremely well. Um, but you know, I I think we're we're holding our own. And and on a on a good pace, I saw this um, the recruit. And I was going to ask you what you know about him, the kid for next year. Turner, with the hyphenated Gooden. name, Turner Gooden. Yeah. yeah. What position are we expecting him to play? He's I read gonna, athlete. He's going to play safety almost okay. certainly, uh, okay. along with the other guy who we recruited though, Jalen Marshall. And this, I think, right. if saw you want, him. if you want to get a sense for Pierce and Gill and Hawkins, maybe especially Hawkins style. They're yeah. going after guys who are multiple position guys on the back end. Yeah. Because both the article about Turner Gooden and the article about Marshall talked about their versatility on on safety, corner, yeah. slot corner. You know, if somebody goes down, you can just plug and play them at a different spot if you need. Yeah. And I think at the college level, that's important. The, the other thing that I want to mention on this is, is – that's a, a kid from California and a kid from Florida as our first two recruits, both four-star secondary players. Sure, um, sure. That that's pretty big gets for Hawkins and Gill. It is at the outset. It is no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I definitely like the the way we are trending in that. I, I, you know, I 
said it before, I'll say it again, you know, recruiting is, is such an inexact science and you could get, you know, you can find guys that are diamonds in the rough and they end up being great players and, and the opposite, you know, five-star recruits that don't amount to anything. But the more, you know, you figure it's, it's kind of like a draft class. Um, you know, the, the more talent you've got, the more you expect some to hit. Yeah. Not all your four-star guys are going to be great. You know that. But if you get 10 four-star guys and seven of them turn out to be really good players, you're in pretty good shape. Well, it's also setting us up for a situation with, you know, all of the returning talent this year, there is going to be major losses. We could lose our entire back seven. Sure. And potentially, if if I'm doing the math right on the ability to leave, we could lose every single starter on defense. I don't think, I don't think Soeli will go early. No, um, no. I mean, you're right, but yeah, I think you're right. Every but we lose every everyone in the secondary has to go three years in. Yeah, well, because yeah. jo- Jones has to go. He's out of eligibility. Lucas, Lucas is out of eligibility. Fields is out Fields. of eligibility. Pierce is out of eligibility. Right. You know, right. so you know True. the secondary, and I think that's why getting Turner, Gooden, and Marshall as our first two guys this year. Yeah. And then you go back to the guys who are already signed: Isaiah Johnson, corner; Tommy Hill, mm-hmm. corner. Are our top two guys. And Robert Regan, corner, was also in our top 10 recruits yeah, from last yeah, year. Yeah. There's going to be you, an opportunity for these guys to get on the field There quickly. definitely is, yeah. yeah. And then you throw in the guys that we've gotten from the last couple classes, you know, the, the Jordan Clark and the Markhams. And, uh, you know, I mean, there's they've done a good job of consistently recruiting that position, the, the defensive backfield. And, I mean, it's a position that maybe short of offensive line has been our Achilles heel for, for most of our, you know, run here at ASU or since we started at ASU we've been doing those season reviews and a lot of years it's been well our secondary wasn't very good certainly under Graham I mean we had some really bad secondaries and so again much like the line they came in and didn't have much to work with yeah Uh, Chase Lucas was here um but other than that you know and I think Evan Fields I think he was a Graham recruit Mm -hmm. but uh you know other than that they've they've had to pretty much rebuild the position from from the ground up, even with guys, you know, Cam Phillips, who's still around, Ashari Crosswell, who was really good for a couple of years, and then, you know, it, it all fell apart last year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but they've they've built it up and and continue to. It seems like in recruiting, which you know the way the game is played now, I think it's it's you know it's pass rush and it's secondary. Mm-hmm. I mean that those are the important positions on the defense because teams don't run the ball forty times a game anymore. Well, the, uh, other thing you know, with, no. the other thing with recruiting this way, I, I don't know what your sense was, but from reading Haller's articles, it seems like these are both pretty solid commitments. Seems like uh, it. You know, yeah. a year in advance. And, uh, you know, specifically looking at Jalen Marshall, one of the things that's interesting to me is that the school he goes to, Hallandale in Florida, has right. like six or four guys in the Florida top 50 and three of them are guys he plays in the secondary with. Alfonso yeah. Allen is there. Obviously, Marshall and then Edric Weldon are yeah. all guys in that secondary. Oh, and Anthony Rose. So I'm looking at 24-7's top 50 recruits in Florida, and yeah. they've got four guys from their secondary. Well, Do you think having one guy commit hard gives you at least an in to talk to these other guys? I mean, it doesn't hurt, I suppose. Yeah, that's what you always hear. You know, you get these recruits early, and then they – 
they serve as you know extra recruiters for you basically what? you know you get those guys and then they're they're on social media and they're talking to guys that you know not only from their own team but camps and mm-hmm. all american games and stuff like that and you know uh, it, it can't hurt definitely not well and then when you've got guys like uh ryan clark obviously his son goes here but you got ryan right. clark or that lane kiffin tweet last year yeah when you have yeah. all these people saying well who do you want your kid to play for who would you pick and all these mm-hmm. guys are saying herm you know and, and frankly we've talked about it the fact that herm's put together a, a recruiting team and a defensive coaching staff that's all black players mm-hmm. and former players yeah. matters yeah. and young mostly yeah. young too guys who well, Gillen, you know are not Gillen that Hawkins far are in past their 20s right exactly so i mean there there's a relatability there i mean you know uh, like let's just be honest let's go back to the, to the dennis erickson staff which was filled with his old buddies like it's it's tough for those guys unless you're working for you know nick saban or somebody like that but it's tough for those guys to be you know to go in and recruit a 17 year old kid mm-hmm. i mean they did they got some but they didn't get enough um, so, you know, young guys, guys who, who not long ago were in the NFL, Pierce, Chris Claiborne, um, you know, I mean, it, it hasn't been that long that they were in the NFL. Um, now, you know, do high school kids remember them in the NFL? Probably not, I guess, but you know, Pierce was on TV, you know, that doesn't hurt. Yeah. Um, Herm you know, was on so TV. Herm was on TV. Yeah. Well, yeah, and the other so. thing about Pierce and it's Pierce and Gill and Claiborne now, they're not that far removed from the California high school ranks and they know all of these guys. I, you know, the, the Turner Gooden story that Haller wrote, he talked about the connections these guys all have Yeah, to Turner yeah. Gooden. And it's like, well, half of those connections are they played with him or coached with, you know, yeah, coached him. yeah. true, true. Well, and, and I mean, it's no secret, you know, they've, they've been very out front about it, that the priority of this staff was very different from the past staff under Graham. Graham really loved recruiting Texas, mm-hmm. Louisiana, you know, the, he the, was from you know, Texas and right. that's where he coached you know, in high so school. That was a huge priority. And this staff has really said, we're going to go into California. And I, I mean, especially given the situation just right now, you know, and you never know those things can change, but you know, USC has been, been off the radar for the most of the last decade. And they've had a couple really good years when Darnold was there and, but, you know, hasn't been a power. UCLA can never seem to really get over the hump. They, they have some, you know, eight-win years, but they never really make a huge play. Stanford's kind of tailed off a little. Plus, Stanford recruits differently. Let's yeah. just be honest. Stanford recruits a different type of player. Um, and so you feel like, you know, why not? I mean, this is, this is the time to, to seize on California. Because, it you know, while Graham did okay recruiting Texas, we did get some good players out of there. You know, you're you're going against a lot of really good programs from Texas and Oklahoma, and and you know, I mean, it's just tough. It's tough to make traction there. I think it's easier for ASU to have traction in California, and we kind of got away from that under Graham. Yeah. Well, it, the other thing that's I think noteworthy: last year's recruiting class, according to ESPN, top two recruits. Yeah. Isaiah Johnson, California; Tommy Hill, Florida. This year, we got two four-star recruits already. California and Florida. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's not a secret that that's where the talent is, especially at skill positions on both sides of the ball. Now I will say, I would like to see us do a slightly better job of getting the top talent in Arizona. Well, that that's a Sean Aguano problem to me. 
that that guy has not used his connections the way Pierce has. No, no, that's a good point. You know, I mean, like, and I don't expect us to get everybody good in Arizona. I mean, I'm not unrealistic. I know that if you're a kid growing up, you know, and, and it's not the old days anymore either. You know, so a kid who goes to Chandler High School, he can see every Ohio State game. And I use Ohio State because Chandler just had a wide receiver commit to Ohio State for next year. Um, you know, he, he doesn't have to work hard to go see Ohio State or Alabama or Texas or any of those places. So I, I get it. There's an allure about going to those places. We know it because we're not recruits, but where do we like to go for our trips? We like to go to, you know, Auburn and Alabama and, and Florida. and You know, I mean, those places appeal. Um, so I, I understand, but I'd like to do just a, just a better job, not a perfect job. I'm not expecting us to get the top 10 recruits in the state to stay at ASU, but out of the top 10, maybe get three or four or five. I'd like to see that. Well, and to your point, Graham had no recruits in California and that was basically the end of his coaching yeah. career. That, that was yeah. the final nail in the coffin. Yeah. We had one recruit in last year's cycle from Arizona. One, Isaiah wow. Glass, the offensive yeah. tackle from Queen Creek. Yeah. And yeah. Arizona is, it's not Arizona from when we were, you know, pre-high school or no. even high school where it's like, wow, we had, we a kid went to Hawaii. A kid went to, <laughs> you know, Colorado exactly. School of Mines. Exactly, yeah. You know, yeah. we're, no, we're generating talent. Sal Point alone sent guys to, three different major division one programs schools. Yeah. And, yeah. and these schools here, I mean, some of them are factories, Hamilton, Saguaro. Saguaro. Yeah. I mean, they, they have sent players all over the country to the biggest schools. Guys yeah. have gone to Alabama. They've gone to Ohio state, you know, so Prince of uh, yeah. went to Nebraska back in the right, day. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and yet to your point, that was kind of a, like a, wow, uh, you know, that guy's doing it now. It's now that would just be like a, Oh, cool. Because yeah, Arizona's talent is getting better. I mean, there was a big article. I don't know if it was on the athletic or something. It was not that long ago. You might've read it too about, you know, the, the migration of, of talent to Arizona. And it's, you know, I think it was specifically maybe about quarterbacks, but you know, it, it but the point down. holds across everything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the weather's good 12 months a year. Um, you know, you can go out and practice in, you know, January and February if you want. Can't do that many places. Well, and the and population's growing. People are, you know, people growing. are moving. Yeah. Businesses are moving. Yes. You yes. Know? And will there be, I mean, I, I believe, and this is a, this is a bigger societal talk that we don't have to dive deep into, but will there be a sort of slight migration away from California because of what, because of no high school season this year? And, and the, you know, and, and other places have had high school seasons. And if you're a parent of a high school product who thinks they're good, it can be, a, you know, are you thinking, well, maybe we need to get our kid to Arizona yeah. or Texas or South. I mean, the kid, the kid that was going to USC, Jake Garcia, couldn't play this year. He transferred to, I think, a school in Georgia. And now he's going to Miami because he got out of California and oh, he started looking around. Um, it, you know, so like some of those people are going to come to Arizona. Because it's close by, why not? You know, and so you gotta you gotta seize that opportunity, and that's you know Arizona's a weird place. It's very I mean, you know it as well as I do. A lot of people from Arizona or, or who live in Arizona are not from Arizona, so it's not a super territorial culture. But still, people like to see Arizona kids play for ASU. They do, and there's an appeal to you know come out and see your local product and 
And and so, I mean, yeah, if you get great talent from California and you win a Pac-12 title, nobody's going to care. But if you're a nine-win team and you do it with local kids, there's a little bit more like, ah, I, I like that guy. I like those coaches. And you have the support of the high school coaches and things like that. Those those things go a long ways. Yeah. So, I don't know. You know, I mean, I, I love what we're doing recruiting-wise. Make no mistake. But I would like to do a, a little bit better job at keeping the talent we have within a, you know, 30-mile radius closer to, you know, stay at ASU at, at higher percentages than they are. Yeah. If you can just get some fan uh, involvement with, the, exactly. you know, with it the local hurt. people. Because just think yes. about how people are with Lucas and how they were with Harry and how they were right. with DJ Foster. Right, you know, it, yeah, it, it all yeah. kind of... It's one of those things like, I know that this is like the bugaboo of ASU athletics is, well, there's just other things to do. It's like, yeah, but if it's a kid who like you watched play Little League with your son, you know, maybe you're more inclined to buy a ticket to be like, oh, I know him. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and and I think that's, you're right. There are other things to do. And and that's why, I mean, yeah, I mean, did DJ Foster put, you know, 10,000 fans more in the stands? No. But he might have put fifty more. Yeah, and well, so and if you get a few like that, you know, and then and then they go and they have a good time and they say, "Man, I went to an ASU game last Saturday. It was a blast. You want to go next week?" Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it, that's how you build a fan base. Yeah, well, because there are two ways to do it: win and have local sure. guys. And sure. we, frankly, haven't won. <laughs> no, and, we haven't, and, and we're a, not, not getting local level. guys. Right. So, right. Now, maybe, you know, the guys there, I mean, that's our hope. I know it is that the guys we're recruiting nationally will get us to that winning level, you know, that we can win conference titles and contend for the playoffs and things like that. And that will go a long ways. But that's tough. You know, I mean, it just it just is. So if you can recruit a little bit better at home and also still get these kids from California, I'm not I'm not at all saying like, you know, we should just recruit Arizona. Don't worry about the other 49 states. No. That's absurd, you know, and I think there are probably some people out there who do think that and it's, it's absurd. Um, but you know, like we could do a better job is all I'm saying. Yeah. Just, a, just an improvement in that area. Absolutely. So we'll see, we'll see, but you know, the bottom line is, man, I, I, uh, I can't wait for September. I know I have to wait, but it's, it's going to be a fun year. I think I really do. Yeah. Well, we've fi- we've finally got a schedule. We we yes. got spring ball starting. You know, yes. we've done yes. three hundred of these. We're gonna do uh, more. It's gonna our Probably. three our three hundred and second episode is lining up to be a great one. So, uh, yes, yes, our two years in the making uh, tournament projections. We yeah. should go back and do last year's field too, just for the fun of it. Yeah. So. <laughs> I well, but yeah, we last year ASU would have been in. So for for the it three people been. who do listen, it may have been more fun. It would have been. I know, I know, I know. And now we we need a, a miracle run next week in Vegas. But who knows? There's there's usually one or two teams that do it every year. Some Maybe people have it. miracle runs in Vegas. They do, and they then do. they wind yes. up losing their house. But before that, a miracle right, run in Vegas, right. and that could be and us. that would probably be us. We go on a miracle run, and then we get humbled badly in the tournament, probably if if we make it. But you know, it's never been us, and so it kind of feels like at some point the you know the the coins got to flip our way, right? Well, then we get is, that hot run. But. This is that moment where I want to be like the Kentucky team that was like an eight seed, 
where yes. like all year they didn't put it together. And then all of a sudden in March, it happens. And maybe that, maybe that was what the two Washington games were was all of a sudden with all these guys yeah. out, we, we figured out like, Oh, this is who we are. This is well, what we certainly do. it's funny. You know, it's helped Remy Martin. There's no doubt. Well, he I mean, knows his been, role again. He's, he's the man been more again. assertive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it is interesting. Obviously, I mean, on you know, on the grand scale, are we a better team with Marcus Bagley and Christopher? I, I think yes, but it's it's helped some of those guys. Remy Martin being the best example, Kamani Lawrence being another. They've they've had the ball more, and and they've done more with it. And you know, it just never came together for this group. Maybe in a regular season, had we had the same practice time and the same non-conference season and all that, maybe it would have. Maybe we could have found that mesh and gotten the most out of everybody, but. Just didn't happen, and and it's probably. I mean, it's not going to because even if we do go on that hot run, it's not going to be with those guys in the fold. Yeah, I don't think we're seeing Christopher again. Yeah, I agree. We we'll, we'll see some Caleb quit Christopher. Uh, yeah, possibly, <laughs> <laughs> and maybe next year too. He's uh, he's one of our few quote unquote it, certain returners. It's going to uh, be uh, him yeah. and Jalen House. Jalen House and and maybe Lawrence. I did I did see Haller alluded to. You know the coaches are are wanting Lawrence back if he wants to come back. So that's that's intriguing. Sounds like I I, I don't know if you read that article. Sounds like the coaches are are maybe willing to let Alonzo Verge move on. Yeah, I, I there saw was that. some allusion to that at least. I I, I did see that uh, there was a statement from Martin about unfinished business and I did too. And it it was I, one of those moments where I like. The fan in me, my heart skipped a beat, but then I was like, "Is this just something you say uh, in the moment?" Uh, I, <laughs> like I have the same thought. when you're like, just that excited about it's, the game, it's exciting. But yeah, it feels like a statement made out of emotion. You know, you you play your last home game and you make a you know game winning three, and it's like you know I want to do this again. And then a couple weeks later, it's like, yeah, do I? Well, I oh, already get it. Do I, yeah, do, you know. Yeah, I mean, and the other thing, you know, we we it's easy to joke about. And I know it's, you know, sometimes true about college athletes and, you know, going to school. But, you know, there does have to be for a guy like him, if he's, you know, like, do you want to do you want to continue to do the grind of taking classes? And eh, I mean, he's not going to be a better pro prospect with another year. Mm. He's just his ceiling is what it is. So unless he thinks coming back, you know, they can make a sweet 16 run or something. But why would you think that? You know, I mean, this was the year to do that. Well, yeah, with the talent we had coming in, and you know, well, and that, this was the year to as a fan. That run. As a fan, I'm I, I'm feeling like a little bit of a a hangover because we we climbed the mountain recruiting wise. We got not one but two top sixty guys, and, and right, and we were right. this was it. We had all the pieces, and we did nothing with it. Well, next year we're not going to have the pieces, and we're losing all these guys. So I know. I know. I mean, it, you know, next year feels like, and now again, I mean, and, and Haller even said this, like the, the roster is far from set. There's going to be a lot of transfers. And, well, and yeah, so a lot, we need of, to be a lot of kids there. did graduate this year who they might want to go they play did. somewhere else. Yes. And, and, you know, we still think, although it hasn't been made official, that they're going to give the, you know, the one time transfer rules going to be passed where anybody could transfer and be eligible right away if they haven't transferred before. So, um, you know, I mean, it, it, the roster could look extremely different, but still next year feels like it's going to be another year where we're going to be like, well, boy, we're the, we're the little engine that could, we're overachieving to finish, you know, with 17 wins or something like those years are okay, but I'm kind of tired of them. 
Well, I mean, they're better not, than they're better than winning ten games, but like I want to do something. Yeah, we're not going to be anybody's hot pick to no. win the conference next. No, year. we're not. Now, if we can make a run and do something, you know, great. Um, but you know, it, it oftentimes comes down to how much talent you've got, and I just, I don't know that we're going to have that much. But we'll see. You know, again, who knows what the roster will look like? I think you know what we've got now going over those guys who we think we're returning. A, we don't know that for sure. And B, you know, there could be five or six newcomers that, you know, are not on our roster currently. I think there's there's almost going to have to be. Yeah. Well, we'll be back to talk about the Pac-12 tournament run. Yeah. Such as it yeah. is. See where we're at by a week from now. Hopefully we're still in it. Yeah, I was going to say, yes, that's it, the, might, it may just be a recap. That's the first step is, is to still be in it, which means we need a Wednesday win and maybe a Thursday win, depending on when we talk Thursday. But then we'll get to finally do a bracket breakdown. The bracket, yes, yes. We are uh, 10 days from Selection Sunday. So We'll be back to talk once before that. You'll get our full bracket breakdown on Selection Sunday, which will give you something to bet against, I guess. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, we've done okay before. Yeah. We're not horrible. I only remember the bad ones. Well, that's, that's the way it goes. <laughs> I still remember 1999 when I won my my dad's office pool at UMC uh, when I picked UConn to win the title, and they did. That was that was my crowning achievement in tournament picks. Yeah, I just remember so, picking Florida to lose when they won the title in an upset. Early. I do remember that, so. too. You picked them to lose in the first round. Yes, I recall that. Yeah, yeah. And I've probably done that, too. That my, my 1999 was my crowning achievement. I should have stopped then, I guess. But, <laughs> you know, 22 years later, I'm going to keep going, and maybe I'll have another one. Maybe you'll get the perfect bracket. That's right. That's right. You know, yeah, that's the thing. You, you keep trying until you achieve perfection. All right. Well, until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben Matt Sportscast.